Welcome to Touch Conversations of Spirit and Body. A special shout out to all the amazing women out there this History Month. This is Ryan. And this is Nate. A little warning here, folks. The themes in this podcast include topics not suitable for children or adults who act like children. So far this season on Touch Conversations, we've been revealing some of the sex issues we've developed when growing up religious. And as Dr. Sellers talked about in her last episode, also occurs in other types of conservative communities, particularly this deep-seated internal shame. So, growing up religious is not all bad. There are some good things. I'm raising my kids in church. Um, But we do find ourselves navigating life and faith in unprecedented times. You know, if the word sex meant two or three things a couple generations ago, it can really mean hundreds of things now. Saying that we want to host a conversation about sex then can mean a hundred different things to different people. And if you're listening and you're wondering where this conversation is going and you're thinking it might be a little to this or a little to that or we haven't talked about this yet or this other thing is really the thing, well, I want you to hang in there. This podcast is not your Sunday school class, but neither it is the locker room. Yeah, and, and we're getting voices who are a lot more, who've explored heavily in their departments, and we're asking them to come and talk with us and kind of give us some of their wisdom so we can, I don't know, just get a dosage of what they think of, of sexuality. So we have lots of things coming up, and as this season continues to unfold, I hope that you begin to have a sense that it's turning toward different ways different kinds of people have found wholeness and have helped themselves... Um, navigate this crazy world of sex in religious America. So we're going to be introducing some new voices, some new topics, and really turning toward how uh, one finds healing and wholeness. Previously on Touch Podcast. And I have had several couples come to me and say, is there any place that we can go to get erotic information where we are not surfing the internet? So, we've been talking about sex and shame and how evangelical churches have gotten things wrong. And before we finish up our conversation with Dr. Sellers from episode 7, I thought we could play one of those stories we recorded back in the fall. This is Lauren, a divinity school student at Vanderbilt. And she didn't grow up doing a specific sex education program in her church. But she talks about what it was like with her parents. She's the daughter of a pastor. And I think she does a great job describing what it was like growing up in a religious home and then how it's possible to thoughtfully reconsider some things and navigate through into sexual wholeness without compromising your integrity. There we go. That was a good sound. Um, and Okay, so let's start with just the first question. of Why did you agree to do this? Tell, tell us how someone asked you and then why you agreed and just tell it in your own words okay. let's get shooting until you're done um so a friend of mine in the div school jen was like hey my friend is doing this really interesting pro- project about virginity and sexuality within the church which i have a lot of strong feelings on she said we're looking for someone who can talk about um you know going through church being told you need to be like virgin until you're married and people who may have like lived that lifestyle may be currently still living that lifestyle and want to talk about their experiences and I was like yeah I completely did that look at the flower in your hand Jane notice how perfect it is now Miha crumple it up really mom shh this is so lame mommy shh crumple up the flower Jane good try to make it look new again 
I can't. That's right. You can never go back. And that's what happens when you lose your virginity. You can never go back. Never forget that, Jane. And then I was like, nope, not doing it anymore. So I think that would be like a very interesting story to share. And I love Jen. She like helped me out for a year with notes and videotaping things. So I definitely wanted to see if I could be of use to her and this project. So first off, I'm a preacher's kid, a PK. My dad is a pastor and his father was a pastor. So kind of growing up in a line of pastors. Um, I was always raised in the church. I even said that I was born in the church. My dad was a great guy. Like I love my dad. He's someone I really look up to. And so everything he taught me about spirituality and Christian ways and the Bible, I wholeheartedly believe. I got saved when I was five. I joined the church, got baptized, and was just constantly told like, this is what a Christian does. This is what a Christian woman does. This is what a Christian girl does. Although like, I knew I was like really into boys at a very early age and like through a little bit of experimentation got that slap on the wrist like no no you don't kiss boys you don't do this because you want to save yourself for marriage God wants you to be pure and it's always been downloaded into my brain like that was what I was supposed to do. So I never asked my parents if they were virgins they got married. I automatically assumed. Like in my mind, they met in college and I was like the only boyfriend, girlfriend they ever had and then they dated and got married and had us. Like that's what I believed to my core growing up. Um, even though like most kids I was like interested about sets and wanted to know more about sets, but I definitely felt ashamed of like want to do sexual things or like hanging out with boys. I was taught like, you know, you don't go out with boys by yourself. Uh, you don't, you don't go to people's houses, you know, parents have to be there. And so there's like very strict regimen on like what I could do as a girl, as a Christian. Um, and I kind of made the decision, I didn't talk to my parents about it. I made the decision that I was going to wait till marriage to have sex because you know that's what God wanted me to be and if I want to be a good girl I want to be a girl that guys didn't take advantage of I needed to be that good girl that waited until I got married to ever have sex now did I understand what sex was no I kind of understood like the idea of sex I didn't think I knew the mechanics of it I remember one time I got really I was kissing a guy and I was like oh my god am I gonna get pregnant like because I just did not know because we don't talk about the mechanics of sex in church. I remember I was asking questions to a hairdresser, someone I felt really comfortable to about sets, and she went to my mom and I was like, you don't ask those questions. You have any questions, you come and ask me. And I was like, well, we've never had this talk and I'm not sure if I should ask. And you start thinking, well, no, really, I am gonna wait till marriage, but I just, I just wanna know like, what is these mechanics of stuff I'm seeing on TV. Um, so eventually, I went through all of college like I was a virgin through college I had a lot of friends who you know said they were virgins and eventually lost it in college because college is a crazy time um no judgments on anyone about that but I kind of wore that virgin like as a, a badge of honor like yes I'm waiting till marriage you know if I go on a date with God he needs to know I'm waiting till marriage I'm a good girl I'm waiting till marriage and like some guys will look at me like, oh, I'm not gonna get it, I'm not gonna talk to you. Well, great, because I'm waiting till marriage. That's what God wants me to do. And it wasn't like super like Bible thumpy religious, but it was something like I held as a core identity. And then eventually like I graduated. I had like no real like romantic relationships in college. I started really wondering like, why was I doing this? 
And then after college, I moved to New York City, and I was going to this church in Harlem called First Corinthians Baptist Church. And our pastor clearly did not wait till marriage when he had sex, because he had a son that was like a year older than his marriage. And he talked about it freely. He's like, yes, I can't tell people to do that, because I know I didn't do that. And he talked about how his wife was shamed. Uh, she had to go before the church and had to like repent for being pregnant, and they stopped sending her care packages. And he's just like, I just hate the way the church treated her and treated us even though like he was on the ministerial path when, path when it happened. And so we opened up the discussion about church, I mean about sets in church, which is really good. And I kept asking myself like, am I waiting for marriage or am I waiting for love? Am I waiting for relationship where I felt um, whole and cared for and that like, the person not taking advantage of me? Because even if I got married, someone can marry me just to have sex. Um, and so we kind of have a conversation about what does that mean? What does it mean to be in relationship with somebody and does that always equate to marriage? So like, am I waiting for a relationship? Am I waiting for love? This episode is brought to you by Next Good Consulting. Next Good coaches individuals and organizations to create new futures in a creative consulting process that starts with one powerful question. If your life were a comedy, what would happen next? It's true, he really asked me this question and that's, that's what unlocked me. This unique story framing helps generate new ideas, design imaginative alternatives, and craft a new storyline. Whether it's your life or a business idea that's stuck, you can learn to stop rehearsing that scripted drama in your head and start having fun. Uh, we have a good chunk of our couples that come through that are from Christian backgrounds, or are in that age frame where they got a lot of abstinence-only education, right? So there's a bunch of shame. And I have had several couples come to me and say, is there any place that we can go to get erotic information where we are not surfing the internet? And, and we want kind of vanilla. <laughs> you know, um, I you know, um, and we've looked at lots of R-rated movies and yada yada. And I'll say, I will send you a couple of links of feminist informed erotic filmmakers. And I will tell you that every scene is designed by a woman. Usually they're designed by women. Often the fantasies are women's fantasies. Every single um, actor wants to be in the scene or design the scene themselves, and they're all being paid well. Um, these companies are barely alive because it's expensive and you can get free pornography out there. So um, nobody's making anything, but the filmmaker is committed to this being an option out there in the world. And, and I remember one time I had one person uh, come running up to me and she said, I just have to tell you that my husband bought me a subscription for Christmas and you're the only person I can tell, <laughs> you know, but her husband grew up learning about sex on friends, the, the show, the serial show, the show friends. And, um, and she didn't get anything at all, you know, and so whatever they've gotten from books. And so sometimes people are looking for something somewhere that feels like they can give them some ideas. Um, and I can give them like recommend Tantra, you know, 
um, not videos, but you know, DVDs that'll do sensual massage and certain things that are a little bit explicit and give them some ideas, but it's hard to find those things and people are wanting ideas. Um, so yes, I do think that there's a place for that. Um, and, and things that feel halfway educational and halfway, you know, ide- you know, erotic and that give people, you know, yeah, that are fun. Nate, I know you want to say something to that. Oh man. Um, geez. I didn't expect this podcast to go this way. Um, I'm emotional. I'm emotional because I'm, I'm kind of sitting here uh, teary-eyed. Um, uh, because a lot of this stuff I, I, have, to, I have to hear. Uh, I'm just getting over some of this shit. And it's, um, um, it's hard to... Um, you know, I've been such a teacher-pastor person, right? That I had this... Um, you know, I keep thinking I have to to teach from position, even when I'm conversational, like I have to keep teaching from that. And even, especially talking about sex, like I have to hide my own discomfort with these things. And, um, after I made that, um, um, erotic short, you know, I just kind of felt like some kind of uh, calling in this direction and any type of calling towards, um, erotic and visual. It's like, you know, am I supposed to be like, um, Hugh Hefner or Playboy or something like that. Right. And, uh, I just think it's important for me to be very um, vocal with my emotions because um, uh, this is all I have to offer right now. And, uh, and uh, I think people and men and women need to see this distinction of emotion so they know how hard and thick this shame is, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been working on myself for a damn long time. Mm-hmm. And even now, talking with you on the air, uh, this stuff bubbles up just like that. Mm-hmm. Just like what you just heard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the key so much with healthy sexuality really is about consent and non-exploitive behavior. You know, and, and that's, that, those are the things we don't talk about enough in America. You know, we need comprehensive sex education. We need people to feel informed and educated. There needs to be absolute consent and there needs to be non-exploitive behavior. Um, And whenever we have, you know, secrecy or the kind of secrecy where someone's, you know, one partner is doing something that the other partner doesn't know, let's say, and then comes home and doesn't share at that moment that they're not sharing, they're exploiting the other partner, let's say. You know, we, we've got to, as a, as a country, start being clear about what exploitation is, being clear about what consent is, raising our boys and our girls to understand these things, raising our boys and girls to know, to have the knowledge around sexuality, um, helping our parents to become comfortable with these things. And I think when we can do that, then we also can enter into places where we can create erotic material that actually is healing and actually feels very, that can go into places that feel sacred. Nate, I, I want to point out that you were actually pretty emotional during this whole episode with Dr. Sellers. 
And I'm wondering now, after a couple of weeks after recording this, what what your reflections are on your tears? Um, <clears throat> well, um, this was a a real moment that we caught in this recording, and it's basically me stepping out of my shame and admitting my sexual nature. And I have a sexual nature that has been um, repressed, and a part of its healing is to to be freed and to articulate itself. Um, and I guess in the perfect world, you go out and just have sex with a whole lot of people and find out who you are, right? And that's just something I'm not capable of doing. I don't have... I, I think I'd be like a, a spaceship going through the atmosphere. I think that type of activity would just burn me up, you know? Um, so a step closer to it is making art. You know, I, I shoot, I put my soul into it. I'm having an interaction with people. And so I'm acknowledging that this craft, this God-given craft that I've been given, that I've been using, you know, that I've always saved to use for God, you know, to make some type of movie about Jesus or some type of analogy, which would just kind of like open people's hearts and minds to the gospel. That's what my heart has always been. And I felt like those were my, those were my, what my gifts were given to me for, right? And all of a sudden, here's this shift in which I'm using my gift of filmmaking to help myself heal in regards to sexuality. And so there's multiple levels of shame. One is just admitting to myself that this is maybe what I have to do for me. And then there's the macro version of that. Um, what could this mean for a whole lot of other people? What could this mean for our generation? If they were to see the power in the image of a former purity pastor creating um, a piece of holy erotic art in the form of a short film, and, and, may, and maybe many other short films, that whole possibility... Um, that was another layer of light I had to step into and feel exposed and feel naked and to feel to feel the discomforting heat of it. Um, but like many times when we do step out into confession, from our shame of silence into being seen and forgiven, um, regardless of what you're sharing, uh, that one step is it's the scariest step in the world. And so that's what we captured in real time and it was very important to just show it um i think at that moment i knew i had the decision where i could just kind of bottle up my emotions and muscle through uh, dodge the situation and put up a tangent and, and go down another subject you know i had all those options to do but um i stuck with it which is a very tantric practice to do to stay with those emotions to give it space and to allow a new possibility to birth from that. Um, that's, what that that's what that moment was about. Uh, so, yeah. I, I'm really glad that you are listening to your heart and you're going in that direction. I know how dangerous that must feel, but you know, very few people are, in fact, I don't think I know of anybody that is venturing into that place with, the history that you have. And I think that's really powerful. And the stuff that I've read in, in the Jewish history, that really lines up, you know, um, I don't know if you've read my book, but the, um, the Jewish people believe that the holy, the, the um, Song of Songs is the Holy of Holies of the entire Torah. 
And, you know, the whole, the Song of Songs is the erotic book of the Torah. And the, um, the idea is, is that the rest of the Torah is supposed to point you towards the, the Song of Songs and help you to know that you are beloved. And so the idea is, is that when we experience the erotic in a sacred way, that that is where we know our belovedness. So the idea of creating the erotic in such a way that we could know our belovedness, that I don't think has been done by any filmmaker ever. Wow, yeah. Yeah, we've opened up a can of worms here. <laughs> I mean, I cried and, and other people didn't, but hopefully they will, so hang in there. Coming up on Touch Conversations, more from sex experts, including real-life evangelical Shannon Etheridge, feminist Angela Yarber, ethicist David Gushy, and, and, fellow, <laughs> and fellow podcaster and writer Carla Ewert on her article about Joshua Harris in Relevant Magazine. And um, just more wonderful conversation from insightful people that I'm sure you'll really enjoy. We'd also love to hear from you. So you can email us here at touch at info, hashtag touchpodcast.com or text or leave us a voicemail message at 678-685-1010. Do you know how exciting it is for, for us to listen to your voicemail messages? It takes us back to the 90s. It's great. <laughs> play it. We'll play it live. You can or hear yourself it. on yes, the podcast. Okay. I, I don't think we... I don't think we figured out how to use that part of the device we'll get it. yet, but we will figure that out. Special thanks to Lauren Tillman, student at Vanderbilt Divinity School. You are great. And to Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers and her book, Sex, Shame, and the Conservative Church. Please check that out when you get a chance. She also has a great website with the organization instituteonintimacy.com. Be sure to check that out. And while you're checking things out, you can always find more Touch Conversations of Spirit and Body at touchpodcast.com and stalk us on Twitter and Instagram at touch underscore cast. You can also find us on Facebook. <laughs>